Randall giving me the countdown here. I think that means it's go time on Behind the Yellow Line. We've got a full crew tonight. Jeremy is here. Randall is here. We are on Twitter at BTYL Podcast. And I think energy is pretty good tonight because the Cubs are actually playing some good ball over the last few weeks. The Chicago Cubs have won four consecutive series and they beat a good Baltimore team today in a rain up makeup game so we got a lot to talk about here tonight some new cubs are playing well some guys coming off the uh, injured list are playing good baseball big homestand also on the docket here an eight game homestand three with the brewers this weekend five five games randall with the st louis cardinals next week we've got thoughts on that we've got weather on the homestand we'll also dip down to the farm randall loves going down there to the farm with his prospect corner and uh, no Cubs have worn number 80. So we'll come up with something creative here as the show comes home. Uh, but guys, I think what I said at the top really sums it up right now. I, I know it's a tough year for Cubs fans, but at least these last two weeks, they're playing good ball. Yeah. They're beating bad teams, but still nice to see them run off four consecutive series wins. Definitely. They're, they've been, they're 16 and, and 10 over their last 26 games. I mean, it's, well, it's nice to see them, you know, as I said, to me, they they seem to be a bit frisky. I mean, they're they're playing loose, they're playing fun, they're they're going out there. I think you know we're talking about a little bit later, but I think Reyes has been a huge addition to this club that's given them some extra energy. So I, I yeah, it's been fun to watch a, a Cubs team play well down the stretch, and that's what we want to see because there's a lot of you know moves that we want to see who's going to be competitive for the 2023 Cubs in the future. So it's nice to see them playing pretty well here. Yeah, that's the thing yeah. about a team this bad is that there's some high points and there are very low points but right now we're in one of those high points we've had periods like that on this show this season and it's fun to talk about the team when they're playing well even though it's in the back of our mind that it, it doesn't mean a whole lot there there are meaningful things you can take from the games even if the wins don't mean a whole lot well uh, let's clarify that Randall the, the wins maybe this year are sort of irrelevant in terms of playoff ambitions but guys getting at bats pitching innings guys like Rowan Wick closing out games that's a big part of the future of this team. So it absolutely matters, even if the playoffs aren't really in the picture this year. Sure. Even Again, even if the wins themselves don't matter, there are good things to take away from these games as far as individual performances that could resonate into next season. Yeah. yeah and it's nice, you know, when your team's playing well. Sorry, when your team's playing well, it's it's nice to watch them. We've had so much, you know, talk last time they were in Baltimore. It was bad, you know, and, and, and we were talking, but we were talking about, there was a lot of anger on this podcast about how things were going this time we we're in Baltimore and they won the makeup game coming back. And so it, it, you know, how different, you know, two months can be. And, you know, some of these losses to Washington or Cincinnati over the last week, close ball games, games that could have gone either way. Jeremy, you gave that stat a moment ago about their record over the last few weeks. It could even be better. So that's exciting. And winning can be contagious. And I'll say this. The Cubs are coming home with what's frankly going to be a pretty brutal homestand here. Eight game, This is like the Randall nightmare week here. Eight games with the Brewers and the Cardinals, two teams that very much are in the mix for playoff spots right now. So at least the Cubs are playing good ball, and maybe you're feeling going into next week here or into the weekend, hey, Cubs can be spoiler here. Let's take two out of three from Milwaukee. Let's win three or four from St. Louis and mess up their playoff hopes. I would like it on the record. This is the second such homestand this season. Yes. Uh, Brewers and Cardinals all in the same homestand. I don't think these are going to be five nights in August, again, that anyone's going to be writing a book about. But uh, maybe, just maybe, the Cubs can show up for these games and make it a series that Cardinals fans uh, write a sad book about. And very big print and very uh, small words, to be sure. Hey, Cubs win all five here. Some young pitchers get some big Ws. Who knows? what that does looking ahead to next year. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it has the potential to be a difficult week at Wrigley Field. I think that's safe to say, but you never know what's going to happen here. And I do like, if you're going to have sort of a lost season like this, go play spoiler. I don't want both the Cardinals and the Brewers making the postseason, And this gives them an opportunity to mess that up a little bit. Go make it, go make it hurt. Go make these difficult games, however you can, within the boundaries of reason and good taste. Don't just let both these teams come in here and have a picnic. Make these difficult games. That's all I ask for. And it, and it should be a fun weekend. Uh, you got the air show coming in. So yeah. Friday, you know, Top Gun Day or whatever on Friday. 
So, you know, you got the, the I mean, even, even today, you, you heard them going around the city. So, you know, the, the Jets and the, the air show, it'll be fun. It, and so uh, to welcome in the Brewers. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Randall uh, and Ronan. You know, it, it's time for a frisky Cubs team to, to make their yeah. presence felt on the playoff race. Well, Jeremy, I'm glad you mentioned that because that is one of my favorite weekends of the year. When it lines up that the Cubs are at Wrigley Field when the Aaron Water Show is going on. And tomorrow really is the special day. Because you're in Chicago, Wrigley Field, Friday afternoon. You really can't beat that anyway. But you've got those fighter jets and things doing their trial runs. So of all of the days all year that I miss being at Wrigley Field, opening day is one of those days that gnaws at me living here in Denver. I like being at the ballpark on the holidays, Memorial Day, 4th of July, even Flag Day, you know, things like that. But that Friday afternoon when the Aaron Water Show practice is taking place and you got a day ball game at Wrigley Field, that is one of the best days of the year. And Jeremy, I know you're on the fence maybe about heading out to ballpark tomorrow. If you can swing it, make it happen. Go there for me, if nothing else, because I'd love nothing more than to be sitting out at Wrigley Field tomorrow. Yeah, I, I think I might do that. And it should be fun. You know, every once in a while you get a little uh, break in game action because the planes flew overhead and made a lot of yeah. noise. Everybody just takes a step back. It's like, oh, what was that? You know, so it's a fun day to be at the ballpark. It, it, yeah. it doesn't replicate being at the ballpark. It's one of the things that does come through on TV because they, they make a point of letting it come through is, as Jeremy said, you, you hear the roar of the Jets going by. You hear the crowd gasp. And the, the cameras cut to the jets flying over the lake. It, it, it's not quite like being at the ballpark, but it's one of those things you, it does come through a little bit on TV, but of course, being at the ballpark during the air and water show, it's one of the things you don't really get anywhere else. I have seen those airplanes spark Cubs rallies. And I think back 2002, I was at that Friday afternoon game at Wrigley Field with my brother, kind of a listless day for the Cubs until about the seventh inning. Those Jets flew by. The whole energy in the ballpark changes. Cubs come back late. They win that ball game. That has happened over the years. And it is it is very cool because, you know, I'm the guy. Yeah, I know it's coming and I'm waiting for it and I'm looking for it. But 60, 70% of the ballpark has no idea what's going on. And that first time you get an F-22 or, or, or the Blue Angels or whatever flying by the ballpark, it gets everybody's attention. And, man, Jeremy, I, I, I would be out there with you tomorrow if I was back home. Yeah, I wish you, you – yeah, you should fly out overnight, to be honest. But, yeah, it should be a fun day. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. In 2015, I distinctly remember uh, a game in this weekend at Wrigley. Kyle Schwarber hit a big home run. Uh, right after the Blue Angels flew over. So, Ronan, you you said it. The, the Jets spark rally. They are the rally angels is what they are. Yeah. And they're, and they're not cool. the they're not the Navy Blue Angels. They're not the Brewer Angels. They aren't the, you know, the Cardinal Angels. What are they? They are the Blue Angels. Yeah. They are the Cubby Blue Angels is what they are. Well, they put on a good show, and I was pleasantly surprised today on my lunch break was just sort of walking through downtown Denver and we got a flyby today, the air force Academy, not that far here from Denver. So periodically that happens always makes me happy though. When I hear it first, look up, you see the jets flying around up there and it makes me jealous of the view that they have up above Denver with the Rocky mountains and all that be awesome to be in one of those planes. Um, Speaking of jets and maybe crushing the ball, try to get a connection in there. How about this guy who's really put it together in his first week or so with the Chicago Cubs, Fran Mill Reyes. We have been excited. We thought this was a, a wonderful low-risk move for the Cubs to make here, bringing him in after the Cleveland Guardians said they didn't want his services anymore. And he's hitting. He's not walking, Randall, but he's slugging. He's hitting the ball to the opposite field. It's great to see some power from him. Now a couple of home runs, including a bomb to right center. Now, as as I was looking at his splits with the Cubs, I did notice his batting average and his on-base percentage are, in fact, identical. And you know what? That's okay. He's yeah. not on the team to be the designated walker. He He's on the team to hit, and he has done that. Jeremy said it when the Cubs brought him on board. He's always been a guy who hits the ball hard. We know what kind of uh, individual he is physically. He's a mountain of an individual, and that translates, and it's been translating in his time with the Cubs. And I'm he has only had... I think two games at Wrigley. He, his first game as a cub was in game two of a three game series, the only three game series or the series that ended the last homestand. I'm looking forward to him being at Wrigley for a week, a warm week, a summery week. I want to see him hit one off the video board 
where KB, where yeah. KB used to hit him or over the video board. I'm not picky. I want to see him Wave lay it. into one. I want to see him pull it. And I want to see it do what home runs do when you hit him like that at Wrigley Field. I'm looking forward to it. I feel like he's been hitting a lot of balls hard to, to right field. Yes. And that's been kind of nice to see, you know, a guy who's just like he's hitting them all and he's hitting like every ball he's hit has been smoked no matter what i feel like i haven't seen him hit a weak ball for this whole time uh maybe he did have an eagle infield single the other day but um uh, it was just it's just you know i it's it's incredible to think that cleveland i know he was he his numbers weren't really that good but it, there's still two years two years of control on this guy and so yeah. you know he talked about how he wasn't really feeling it this year uh and then he came back you know to the cubs at, or he came to the Cubs and it just kind of energized him a little bit. And I think he's energized his team a little bit as well, as I mentioned earlier. And it's just a kind of a huge in-season pickup, which you weren't going to really expect for a team like the Cubs, who you thought would be getting rid of guys. And now they have a guy who's joining them and bringing a new chemistry in, and he's played pretty well so far. So I, that's a huge addition, I think. Literally, Jeremy, you, you mentioned him going the other way. Both of his home runs as a Cub have been to the opposite field, to right field. And... And the, the difference between a guy like Fran Mill versus a guy like Frank Schwindel, who came up and had a good half season, is that Fran Mill has a, a history of a degree of success to his name in the major leagues. And if you're going to bank, if you're going to try out a guy and see if he might be worth a roster spot next year, you'd much rather give it to a guy who has that history of success to fall back on and might have needed that change of scenery to get back to that point. So I'm, I'm, completely friend-pilled right now. I'm all in yeah. on Fran Mel Reyes, getting him regular DH at-bats the rest of the season. I'm all for it. Well, this is a guy who is not really going to have an issue playing somewhere next year. And what he can do over the next month and a half of the season is earn a spot with the Cubs for next season. Uh, he had a quote the other day that I thought was pretty interesting. Jeremy, you kind of touched on this a minute ago. He basically said in he was in Cleveland this year, his confidence was at about 20% at least as the season went on and the results weren't there, comes to the Cubs and he says, I feel like I'm at 120%. And Jeremy, it's got me thinking, like, like you hear about a lot of tropes and narratives and things in sports, the change of scenery. There's got to be some truth to that, though, right? Like sometimes just going to a team where maybe the wins and losses aren't as important as when you're in a place like Cleveland right now, it takes the pressure off. You can go out and just be yourself. And when you do that, you have results. And I think that's what we're seeing from him right now. I agree. I, I think that, you know, he got released by Cleveland yeah, DFA. Yeah. And I'm sure that at that moment, he was probably at his lowest point. And then when it somebody claims you, it's probably like, oh, there's still somebody out there that wants me. I'm going to try to prove myself for them. And then you come in here and, and, and like I said, this team's been playing fun baseball, I feel like, in my opinion. And so I think, you know, Christopher Morrell has been a big part of that. I feel like, you know, getting around with some of these guys, I think it kind of boosts you. And I think that change of scenery, look, Cleveland, they're, in a tight playoff race. So everything yeah. is kind of magnified for them. If you're struggling and the Cubs, you can come here and just kind of reboot, kind of take a, okay, a step back. I'm going to, you know, re reacclimate to, uh, you know, hitting the ball. And he was hitting the ball hard in Cleveland. It just wasn't working out for him really. So I, 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 I agree with that. I think, you know, some in certain situations, yeah, a change of scenery does, it can work out for players. And just from a geographical and metropolitan standpoint, who wouldn't be or, or energized by going from Cleveland to Chicago. Oh, come on now. Don't be uh, don't be pooping on Cleveland. We got, I got no hard feelings towards Cleveland. And uh, I, I think they have a beautiful ballpark. I think they got a, a solid fan base and um, they're they got a chance to win a World Series this year. So, look, if I were a ball player, I'd rather be playing for a team with a chance to win a World Series this year than anything else. But this is a kind of the perfect mix right now and equal benefit where for him, it's a sort of a fresh start, a chance. Wrigley Field, you can certainly knock the ball out of the ballpark. Also for the Cubs, though, a cheap, cost-controlled, under-contract guy where if he's terrible the next month and you go, you know what, he's not in the mix, he's gone. He doesn't have to come back. It's not going to cost the Cubs anything. If he does play good ball and you realize you got a ton of roster flexibility in the DH, now he's suddenly in the mix for next year. And it can't be stated enough, this team needs more power hitting. Whether that's coming from the minor leagues or coming from a guy like Reyes, there's not enough home runs in the Cubs lineup right now, and that could be something that potentially he could solve. Mentioned this last week, he already has two 30 home run seasons in the major leagues. And it's not like he's a 34, 35-year-old guy. He's 26. So this is still a guy who potentially could be coming into the prime of his career. 
Yeah, I, I to me, I, I think it's. I mean, I know we still have September, but I feel like it's got to be a no brainer to like tender him a contract and bring him back next year. I think, yeah. I think he's a perfect fit for the this Cubs team. Uh, they have the DH now, as you mentioned, they need that power. So I, I'm a big proponent of Fran Mel Reyes. Yeah, well, we're all on his side here, and we want to see what he does. Uh, let's switch over to the pitching mound. Another strong performance today from Adrian Sampson. This guy is not 26. He is 30 years old. He's been up and down with various teams, but another strong performance here today. Five and two-thirds scoreless innings, six strikeouts against the Baltimore team that suddenly thrust itself into the playoff picture. Jeremy, you think this guy is is in the mix next year? I mean, when he started even a month and a half ago, you're thinking, okay, maybe this is just organizational filler. He's kind of trying to earn a spot here in a starting rotation. Yeah, I I, I, I don't know. It's kind of tough. I'm thinking like, you know, maybe a swingman coming out of the bullpen. Uh, yeah. But yeah, maybe he can, he can put himself in the mix for a roster spot next year. It'll be interesting to see you know, what the Cubs do, like, what are they going to do with Thompson? Are they going to move him back to the bullpen? Maybe this season, I'm just talking about for the end of this year, um, because, uh, you know, he, he's throwing more innings than he's ever thrown in his career. So maybe they want to give him a rest. Um, you know, we'll see more of Samson as a starter. Uh, so yeah, I, it's, it's, he's kind of popped up, even though we saw him a little bit last year, I believe but he kind of popped up a little bit out of nowhere and he's been successful in this brief time pitching for the Cubs. Uh, the one thing he's done is he's not really walked anybody and he's kind of, you know, nobody's really hit him hard. That's like kind of been his calling card is he's gotten a lot of weak contact. So I don't know how sustainable that is. It might be sustainable. I don't know, but he's definitely done some things that you're like, okay, this guy might be interesting. Let's see where this goes. Jeremy touched on it perfectly as he so often does the, the peripherals, the underlying numbers maybe aren't the sort of thing you want to, you want to build a house on, but right now he's pitching well. And, you know, as we saw, last year in another lost season you can take these guys who don't have a whole lot of fanfare around them you can say okay you did good work for us we'll at least give you a shot next year and I think that's what Samson has earned I don't think he should be in a full-time starting role if the Cubs do their job and add to that next season but I think he's earned a spot potentially as a swing man or as your kind of number seven starter if you need to uh, replace somebody who's been hurt or ineffective so I think definitely curtail what he's promised next year, but I think he's earned a role and I think he's earned a look next spring at the very least. Maybe like a better alternative to an Alec Mills type of a guy where maybe he's mostly pitching out of the pen or giving you three or four innings when you need that. And then you are going to need extra starters. That can't be stated Always. enough. Always. Like, it's it's like 20 years ago, you're going into a season, okay, who are my five guys or maybe six guys in case one of them gets hurt. Now you've got to be seven or eight deep at least to get through a full major league season. And, and this is probably still a little bit of a lingering effect of the shortened season and messed up spring trainings. It's been a long time since we've had a normal major league baseball season. So that could have an effect on pitchers as well, giving a chance for a guy like Samson with the Cubs. Here's what we like. He's pitching well. He's getting outs. He's doing it against good teams like Baltimore, and he's cheap. It's not going to cost the Cubs anything to give this guy another shot. So uh, pretty interesting. And, and again, I'm not here to, you know, poo-poo Alec Mills. I just think that maybe Samson is earning, hey, that's a better alternative as a guy in a role like that with this team. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's definitely kind of shown more. Uh, you know, it's only been a month or uh, so much of, of kind of sample, but I think he's definitely shown more than, than Mills. I mean, as I said, like, when you're talking about his hard hit rates and his average, these are all like elite, like guys aren't barreling him, uh, you know, and he's not walking anybody. He doesn't really strike anybody out, but nobody hits him hard and he doesn't walk anybody. So, um, you know, you could make a career out of that, I guess, if you're able to do it. And so you look at it like, you know, he only has like, you look as FIP, it, it's, it's pretty good. So it's fielding independent pitching at 3.6. So uh, it's a short amount of sample, but uh, everything so far he's done. It, it looks good. So you definitely give, I think you give that guy some opportunity next year. I don't know what role, but you give him an opportunity. Well, something else that I've talked about on this podcast is I like the guys that persevere, the guys who kind of have had an interesting career with regards to a long run in the minors. Adrian Sampson's one of those guys. This guy was drafted in 2012 in the fifth round by Pittsburgh. He got to AAA as long ago as 2014. And since then, a brief stint in the majors with Seattle. Jeremy, you mentioned the 
Cubs had a quick look at him a year ago. He has spent nine years in minor league baseball. So this is a guy who's hungry, feeling maybe like the clock is ticking as he's 30 years old, trying to get a little bit of money here, right? Or uh, earn some major league time and a major league contract. So it's just so much more interesting looking at a guy like Reyes or looking at a guy like Samson versus, and I'm not saying this to pile on Hayward. It's just like, you, you see these guys that have a lot more to play for than maybe some of the veterans that the Cubs have filtered out the last couple of years. And that makes it interesting to watch a guy like this. He's playing for everything. He's playing for his career. He's playing for a chance nine years in the minor leagues. He finally gets a taste of it here. Let's see what he can do with it. It's been fun watching him pitch. Yeah, that's the thing about even though that these games for the Cubs, they're not you know, they don't mean anything whether you win or lose necessarily for 2022, but they mean everything for the players on the field, whether they're going to be Cubs next year in the Cubs plan, or maybe they're playing for somebody else, you know, somebody else might be interested in something they're doing. So the, they have every incentive for the players that are out on the field to, to play as hard as they can and to try to, you know, win and, and to try, you know, to be successful. So it's nice to, as you say, like, you know, Jason Hayward, you know, I I would never question his commitment to playing baseball, but yeah, he's right. got his big contract. Whereas, you know, guys like this, you know, all these guys are out there trying to show what they can do, trying to, whether it's to stick in the majors, to be a major league baseball player, to be a winning major league baseball player. So there, there is that aspect of all of these games. It's not just like, well, you know, the Cubs lost or the Cubs won. And this doesn't mean anything. All of these players, it matters to them. Yeah, that's a great point. And as Cubs fans, you know, we can get burned out or we can be frustrated with a bad team. And, and some fans choose to not watch or not go out to the ballpark. Um, for those of us that are really into this and expect to be into this all the time, you're just starting to see pieces come together. And I think the, the bigger point I'm trying to make there is it's just so much more interesting watching the team right now than even a month ago. Uh, Pre-All-Star break, pre some of the, the trades and some of those moves that they made as well. It just feels like we are starting to see really some of these core pieces or key pieces that are going to be around when this team gets competitive. We talked about this last week. The executives with the team are talking about, hey, we're going to be aggressive this offseason. We're going to be spending money. So if they're actually going to do that, the Cubs are going to have a pretty significant payroll next year. That's got me fired up. Like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit here going, all right, how do you turn this team into potentially a wild card team next year? Or maybe a team that can win kind of a, a so-so division like the NL Central. There are guys on this team right now that absolutely can contribute to another playoff squad. So it makes it more fun to watch that than what we've seen a lot of the last two years. Yeah, I, I think as we mentioned last week, we, we have some some idea of, okay, there are guys that these are going to be guys that are in the future. And then we have other guys that are like, okay, these guys are interesting uh, parts. And there's not, I, I don't feel like there's as many holes. There's definitely holes and in, in, in a, in a number of holes on this roster, but you, you could start to see like, okay, if we can add the piece here and add a piece there where this could be a competitive team. I mean, it helps that they are playing, you know, kind of good baseball right now. So you, you get it in your head, you know, okay, they're playing pretty well, 16 and 10 over the last 26, as I mentioned, but it's like, you can kind of see, okay, where, where do we need, you know, we, we could go out. There's a lot of shortstops. We can get a shortstop even with Nico, but we can move guys around. The guy to play third, you know, we can get, you know, Fran Mulray, that's a huge as we mentioned getting some power maybe filling the dh spot okay that's a spot and so it's kind of this is kind of the fun time as i as i said a few weeks ago you know it's like seeing how the sausage is made and 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 to me that's kind of as a person who has made sausage in the past i kind of enjoy that so in, in chicago there's nothing more important than seeing how the sausage is made it's an essential part of our culture exactly and i, I i'm enjoying it randall well, here's something else I'm enjoying. A guy who's been awful pretty much since he's uh, until he has come back from his most recent stint in the injured list, Nick Madrigal. Guy the Cubs got last year from the White Sox. He had a lot of excitement about a guy. Remember, he couldn't play for the Cubs last year. Then he is terrible in his first stint with the Chicago Cubs. He's out most of June, most of July. He has been back since August 4. 11 games. He has reached safely in 10 of them. He's got three multi-hit games, and he's flashing the leather a little bit. This is Nick Madrigal, right? Like, this is the guy the Cubs traded for, not what we saw the last three months. Well, this is what the Cubs need Nick Madrigal to be. That was the that was the hope, is that he'd bring the, your contact-oriented guy to an offense that didn't put it in play nearly enough. And as you said, he made his second-half debut on August 4th. We sit here on the evening of August 18th recording this, so his last 
14 days exactly. He's hitting 313 and he's getting on base at a 421 clip over that span. It's not quite as rosy if you break it down to the last week or so before now. But yeah, he's come off the IL. He's come back up from Iowa in his rehab assignment and he has hit. And that's what you need Nick Madrigal to do because just about all of his value is going to come from him hitting, making contact, lacing the ball into the outfield. He doesn't do a whole lot else for you. So you need him to hit. And that's what he's been doing. And this is what the Cubs had hoped they were getting when they traded probably one of their best trade chips last summer in they, they hope they were getting this player. And if he gets back to this, it's another guy you potentially look at next season. What kind of role is he going to play? Because we, we all know to start this season, it was pretty dismal. It was, it was, it was dark. And it, it's good to see that that was not necessarily the Nick Madrigal. Yeah, the thing to remember about him is like he was a number four pick in the draft. He was a top fifty prospect. Like he was a guy that had a pedigree. number had, four overall. Yeah, number four overall. That's something. Yeah, with the yeah. White Sox, and you know he came back. He was terrible, as you guys said in the beginning. He came back from the IL. He started hitting in Iowa. His numbers in Iowa were very good. And kind of you know we had talked about like earlier in this year, does Nick Madrigal need to go down to Iowa? But even when he came back on his rehab stint, he's kind of shown that he's kind of mastered you know, the Myers triple A. So the net to me, the next step is figuring it out on the major league level. And the guy that we've seen since coming back from the IL has been the guy we want Nick Madrigal to be. He's not going to, you know, he has two homers in his career, but he's not really going to pop the ball out of the park, you know, but he's the guy he's going to, he should be kind of, kind of what we kind of want Nico kind of what Nico is, but Nico's shown a little more power, a little bit stronger, just a lot of contact finding all those holes, ripping a ball, you know, to the outfield and then playing solid defense. I mean, I, I don't think he's ever going to play like Nico's level defense, but playing solid defense, just being a smart ball player. That's what we were sold on Nick Madrigal. That's what White Sox fans were sold on Nick Madrigal. And so far in the very short sample of him coming back from this injured list stint, he's kind of looked like that player. And so hopefully we can kind of, as we see with the rest of the team, we're seeing Nick Madrigal like molding into like, okay, this is what we want. It's not just like he was terrible this year. We don't know what we have. We're starting to see, okay, maybe maybe there is something to Nick Madrigal. Yeah. Well, it's got me feeling a lot more optimistic about the middle infield. And also, uh, sorry, David Bodie, it's got me kind of not really thinking about David Bodie all that much in terms of where he fits into the, the this roster moving forward. But it also got me thinking about Randall a little bit. Um, our audience may or may not know this. Randall is very particular about getting things planned early, right? like having very clear-cut things for example when we record the podcast we normally record wednesday or thursday you can bank on about sunday randall initially reaching out and saying all right boys date time when are we doing this so randall we hear from tom ricketts last week cubs are going to be very aggressive we hear from ken rosenthal shortstop is a position the cubs are going to prioritize well there's nico there's magical playing good baseball. You like things nice and neat here. Does that make you anxious at all, Randall, about where do you fit all of these pieces in the Cubs team for next year? Not really, because you prioritize the best pieces. If you are able to convince a top flight shortstop to sign here in Chicago and you don't you don't do something crazy like signing Correa and telling him he's playing third base which I don't know that he would agree to but you 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 put your top flight shortstop your free agent prize at shortstop you move Nico back to second where he is an excellent ball player he's a good shortstop he's an even better second baseman and Nick Madrigal he rotates in some at second base a little bit at DH when your shortstop needs a day off Nico is your your immediate Number two shortstop, magical slots in at second base. No, I'm not worried about it at all. Between free agency and between the players, it will work itself out just because the the hierarchy, I think, if they are able to get a shortstop, is not the sort of thing they're going to have any trouble with. If they are able to get a shortstop, a top flight shortstop, no one's going to say, but what about Nick Madrigal? They're not going to do the, but what about Zoidberg for Nick Madrigal? It will, he will slot in somewhere and it will work itself out. So I'm not worried at all. What do you think, Jeremy? I I, I, for me, I I think you go after the best players always, in my opinion, no matter what they are. Like, like I think sometimes, you know, you get a little too caught up on the Cubs need to add this certain thing or that thing or whatever. I think you just add the best players and however they are, you fit them in. And, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, the top, there's going to be a lot of good shortstops. And I think even with these top shortstops, I don't necessarily think just because you sign a shortstop, they have to play shortstop. I mean, the shortstops, a lot of them are, are decent athletes, whatever. You could move them around. Uh, Nico's shown pretty well at short himself. But I'm a little surprised by that. But Nico can move around too. Magical. I, th- I kind of think Magical, if he's going to be successful, like second base is kind of his spot. 
I don't really see him moving around too much. And I, I don't know, like, I don't know if you're going to really DH him too much, but uh, that's just my opinion. But uh, I think, you know, you, you add the best players and then you figure out where, okay, how do I optimize them in my lineup? And that's going to be, and I, I don't think that's really going to be an issue, especially if a lot of guys, I mean, some guys, yeah, you know, they're probably going to be like, I want to play shortstop and that's it. Fine. Whatever. But I think most players are willing to do what it takes to win. And if that means they have to move off a different position for a little bit or whatever, like, you know, we saw Chris Bryant move all around the field and he was the best player on the Cubs for a long time. Yeah. The guy has to buy in to do that. But I, I think, you know, to me, it's just like add the best players. If the best player is a shortstop and he wants to come to Chicago, you, you'll figure it out. Exactly. Get your shortstop first. Sign your Xander Bogerts or sign your Trey Turner or sign your Carlos Correa. Get them in the fold and everything else will work itself out. And like Jeremy said, maybe you do sign Correa or Bogarts and uh, move them to third base if they're willing to agree to that. It's not as if the Cubs have anyone at third base you really can't displace. I think Patrick Wisdom would understand if he ends up being more of a, a bench guy who plays the corner infield, corner outfield. So it will work itself out. It really does not worry me. Do the hard part first, and that's convincing someone to sign here for a very large sum of money, and everything else will, will fit into place after that. Well, and I don't think it's that hard. You just got to give them as much money as they want. Right. And the Cubs have a ton of money in that front office, and they've got very little money committed uh, to payroll for next year. So, I, you know, uh, you see sometimes narratives from folks about, oh, this player doesn't want to go to a rebuilding team or this free agent. Why would he want to go to a team that lost 90 games each of the last two years? So like, what are you talking about? Right? All of the t- time players go to bad teams because – those teams give them the most money. And we're talking about the Cubs here, right? It's like the Cubs could be very good very quickly if they just spent some money. And obviously the farm is coming back. There's a lot of excitement down there. No free agent is not going to go to the Cubs, right? Assuming the Cubs pay them what the player feels they're worth. So it's very exciting. And damn it, Tom Ricketts, you better be honest with us right now. All this talk and hot air about we're going to invest a ton of money into the big league payroll for next year. They need to make a splash this offseason and multiple splashes. It's incredibly silly. And anytime we use the word narrative, it's not typically a good thing. But if good players never went to bad or mediocre teams, uh, Manny Machado would never have signed a huge contract with San Diego. Javi never would have signed a huge contract with Detroit. You could even make a case that Max Scherzer signing with the Mets, a team that finished in third place last year and did not make the playoffs. Maybe the Mets are a little, uh, we're in a little better position to contend with the right pieces, but you said it. Good players go to bad to mediocre teams all the time. Uh, the front office needs to sell them on it. And the front office needs to write them a very, very healthy check. We know this front office is good at selling guys on the vision. They attracted Marcus Stroman and they attracted Seiya Suzuki here, both of whom needed the free agent pitch, both of whom got the free agent pitch, and both of whom bought the free agent pitch. So we know this front office knows how to attract top talent on a personal level. And if they're going to have the money to spend, those are two very good reasons why very good ballplayers will want to play for the Cubs. Yeah, I think uh, I actually think the most the best recent examples are down with the team that just had their manager and their president of baseball operations get fired and the Texas Rangers going out and signing Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager and being terrible last year, terrible now. They've been that. So, you know, they, they've been paid and they got both of those guys. And I think those are kind of, you know, I, I do believe, you know, players want to win. They, they, they do want to go. They're not necessarily just going to go to somewhere because, but you make them a competitive offer. You show them how you're going to try to win. I think, yeah, then they, they will come and look at what Marcus Stroman, like, He's been tweeting up a storm, I want to say like a week ago, where he talked about how much he loved being a Cub, how much he loved it at Wrigley, how the Cubs are going to be good. And like, you know, we hear all these times about, oh, nobody would ever want to sign with the Cubs. Look how they treated, you know, whatever. Or look, they're not competitive or whatever. But like, you never rarely hear Cubs, you rarely hear players say a bad thing about Cubs. Even the guys that left, Bias, you know, Contreras was like crying on the field he didn't want to go. Bryant, Rizzo, nobody has really ever said a bad thing about the Cubs. And so, like, Stroman was here. Suzuki Seiya's loving it. Like, so I, I don't buy that players wouldn't sign with the Cubs. You make it worth it to them. You show them why they should come here. They will sign with the Cubs. Yeah, it, it's easy kind of to see where that narrative comes from. Again, it wasn't – it was a year ago we saw them trade away – three franchise ball players. But for as much as people like to talk about how no one would ever want to sign here because they don't want to be traded away, which is silly. You're not going to trade away a top free agent. How many guys do we see either 
despondent, not despondent, but emotionally affected that they got traded like Chris Bryant, emotionally affected because they think they're about to be traded like Wilson Contreras, willing to say it was great playing in Chicago. Thank you, fans like Javi. Anytime he's here in Chicago and the media asks him about his time with the Cubs. Fran Mil Reyes can't stop talking about how much he loves playing here. Marcus Stroman can't stop talking about how much he loves playing here. I see where this narrative of players don't want to play for the Cubs comes from, but you you compare it against the actual words on the part of the players who have played for the Cubs, and it just does not align at all. It just does not reflect the reality of the situation. And, you know, historically, there are some guys who uh, have issues with the Cubs. I, I think you guys <laughs> something recently. I'm, I'm not saying this to undermine your point, Jeremy. I agree with you. It's just having a little bit of fun here. Yeah, I saw a story from, it was like February or March of 2016, and it was Kenny Lofton and Latroy Hawkins at some charity event. I think it was in Gary. And they were asking them. And the funny that the author or the journalist said, how do you feel about an Indians Cubs World Series? It's exactly what happened, of course, that fall. Kenny Lofton's like, man, don't do that to me. Like, one, I grew up a Cubs fan. I had a decade of playing great baseball for good Cleveland teams. He was a part of one of the most memorable Cubs teams of all time. To get to Latroy, he's like, ah, fuck the Cubs. He's like, yeah, I grew up a Cubs fan, but... No, Cleveland, they've got a good fan base. They haven't won in a long time either. LaTroy was very quick to say, no, no, no deal with the Cubs there. So there's a couple of guys over the years that maybe didn't enjoy their time in Chicago. And it's too bad because you know what? I like LaTroy Hawkins. LaTroy Hawkins was way better than Cubs fans remember him. He had an awful week at a really bad time. But it does bother me, actually, that he's got sort of bad memories of being a Cub because he was a good Cub, and he got a lot of saves as a Chicago Cub. I think that was an individual who had some very terrible things said to him. Oh, uh, certainly. Yeah, by anonymous, hateful, racist individuals during his time as a Cub. Uh, No, I I certainly don't hate Latroy, but I also don't blame him for after his career saying – I don't really have any love for them. I don't really blame him for that at all. Yeah. No, well, no, I'm Bradley. just saying there's, you know, a handful of guys. Sure. But Todd Hundley probably doesn't have very good things to say about Cubs fans or his time in Chicago as well. Jeremy, you're right, though. The recent guys, it's Chicago, man. I- I've been to 24, 25 big league parks, and I like them all. Even the parks I don't like, I still like them because I'm in a major league ballpark like Tampa Bay or something like that. But it's not the same everywhere. Right. I felt that last week we were talking about this. I was in California. Dodger Stadium or Oracle Park in San Francisco, you walk into those places and you're not in Detroit, right? You're not in Kansas City. I'm not trying to 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 be too mean to some of our neighbors there in the Midwest, but playing for the Dodgers, completely different than playing for the Kansas City Royals. The Chicago Cubs are one of those teams. It is a top-tier destination city, ballpark, fan base. You win in Chicago going to be a very lucrative thing for you that you wouldn't necessarily get in other cities so Cubs are going to get have any issues bringing people in just need Tom to open up that checkbook yeah and I got I got besides Todd Hundley you mentioned I got two other guys who both played for the Dodgers and the Cubs who are on opposite ends of the spectrum uh Brett Anderson did not have good things to say about the Cubs when he was briefly a Cub I think I want to say 2017 but uh look back we talked about 03 Look back at everything yes. Eric Carroll has ever said about the Cubs, a longtime Los Angeles Dodger, played for the Cubs one season. You hear him calling Cubs games. On, he used to be on Fox. Anytime talked to him, he loved Wrigley. He loves yep. Chicago. He always talks it up. He always talks about what an amazing time he had as a Cub in Chicago in a great year. I mean, yeah, like you played for the 2003 Cubs. It was a little different. Not everybody gets to do that. But he talks it up all the time. Yeah. Eric Carroll has those home videos that he you know, shot on his own camcorder from the 2003 season. I hope we get to see those someday. I think that would be a fascinating perspective. Maybe in the 2033, the 30-year uh, the anniversary of the 2003 Cubs, they can make that documentary. Well, it was a special team, and uh, Kenny Lofton, who kind of initiated this conversation right in the middle of it, uh, that got me thinking about something today. Like There have been great players over the years, talk about guys that have been on the Dodgers, Man, that 03 team, really special. And uh, yeah, I am on board with them honoring that team, even if they did come up a little bit short. You know who I want to see, actually? Alex Gonzalez. wonder what he's up to these days. I was thinking about him on Sunday. Uh, they had that K cast of the Red Sox-Yankees game. I didn't see it, but I caught the viral video of Derek Jeter getting pissed off that A-Rod and K were talking about the shirtless photo shoot. And that infamous shirtless photo shoot with the shortstops, Alex Gonzalez. 
right in the middle of all of that as well. So got me thinking about Gonzalez, but something I was thinking about today, Randall, watching Cubs Orioles, those guys over the years that played for both of those teams, because it's not like the Cubs and the Orioles have played each other a ton historically, even since the start of um, interleague play. The guy that I was thinking about today was Corey Patterson, but it's got me thinking, Randall, who are some former Cubs and Orioles, and let's get Arietta and Strope out of the way, the two obvious ones. Who's another Cub and Oriole that kind of comes to mind for you, guy who played for both cities? My guy was Corey Patterson. Uh, well, Steve Clevenger always seemed like a real nice guy. We'll throw his name out there. And, you know, he helped net two of the most impactful players in Cubs history. So we'll, we'll toss Steve Clevenger in here. Steve, thank you for your service in, in getting a very strong return in that trade. We appreciate you. I, I got two off the top of my head. Uh, one is Steve Stone. Cub Oriole and uh, the other one is Sammy Sosa. Oh wow, yeah, 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 yeah. We were talking about Sammy here uh, a little bit ago, and and just thinking about Sammy, Randall was sort of making the point when he thinks of post Cub Sammy Texas is really what comes to mind more for him. But he did go over to Baltimore, and uh, boy, that's that's something that I, I kind of would rather forget. That Sammy Sosa, Baltimore Oriole, traded from Mike Fontenot. Any other players? Yeah. Any other players come to mind from that era or that window of guys that were Cubs and Orioles? Again, these are two franchises that have not played each other a ton historically. Uh, Nothing else. What about near misses? Oh, oh, Brian Roberts. <laughs> Brian Roberts should be on Brian Roberts. the Cubs have yeah, Brian Roberts. There we His go. name is Nick Madrigal. Matt, did Merton ever play for Baltimore? I feel like he did. There were years and years. Yeah, that kind of sits right, but uh, we'll have Randall type that one into the Google to see if Matt Merton ever played big league ball for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, still fun and beautiful ballpark. It was something actually that uh, Boog and Sutcliffe were talking about during the game today. Sutcliffe, a guy who played for Baltimore and played for the Cubs. Sutcliffe pitched in the first game at Camden Yards and the first night game at Wrigley Field. It's a pretty cool connection there between the Cubs Sutcliffe's and the O's. been around the block more than a few times. Uh, Matt Merton, no major league time as an Oriole. Cubs, Athletics, and the Colorado Rockies. Three of Ronan's favorite franchises, <laughs> if we're being honest. He did try and catch on a little bit with the Tigers uh, in the last six years, it looked like, in the spring. That did not happen, and he uh, has not been in baseball since 2017, but no time as an Oriole for everyone's favorite redhead, Matt Merton. Well, I got one more for you. Randall's favorite post-meal dessert, Felix P.A., Chicago Cub, Baltimore Oriole. So that one came to mind here. Uh, back to the big league Cubs, though. They are coming back home following this long road trip to Cincinnati, Washington, and Baltimore. It is an eight-game homestand, three with the Brewers this weekend, five with the Cardinals next week, including a doubleheader Tuesday. It is Aaron Water Show weekend, Randall. It is the middle of August. What are we doing weather-wise for Cubs Brewers starting up? Well, this it is time for everyone's favorite segment of Behind the All-Line, and that, of course, is the weather provided to us, as always, by Alexander Hall at Cubs Weather. Find him on Twitter at Alexander Hall. So, of course, we have a weekend series against the visiting Milwaukee Brewers. They take their bus down from Milwaukee. Uh, I might pass them on my way up to Wisconsin for work tomorrow. Careful, Randall. Uh, yeah, Don't careful. stupid. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. And then, of course, the Cardinals come in for that five-game series next week. But the series vibe versus Milwaukee, a hot and clear Friday with some potential for wackiness thereafter. I'm all about wackiness. Friday, of course, a 120 start because you wouldn't have it any other way at Wrigley. It'll be 85 degrees, but it will feel hotter in the sun. Not that humid, partly sunny, with a wind out to center field, 10 to 15 miles per hour. Saturday at 120, and I am again quoting Alexander here, wishing away thoughts of damp jean shorts on a hot-ass bleacher seat, temperatures <laughs> around 80 degrees until and until if and when it rains, it'll be muggy, light showers are likely, with a chance for a thunderstorm, uh, potential for a delay during Saturday's game. Some light rain could be playable with the wind out to center field, 10 to 20 miles per hour. So it sounds like if you're headed out to the game on Saturday, bring uh, some rain contingency with you. And then for Sunday, another 120 start. Temperatures in the mid-70s. Watching for the lake influence, the winds could be variable as well as occasionally breezy, 10 to 15 miles per hour with a 40% chance for a shower or a thunderstorm. So maybe a Wrigley shenanigan or two 
feels ornery. And I don't know if Alexander is describing the weather or me when Milwaukee is at Wrigley. They're both ornery. Against St. Louis, the series vibe, three games in two brilliant, clear baseball days, and then a little bit of corn sweat works its way back in. Monday, a 7.05 start, temperatures 71 degrees at game time, lake conditioner adding, lake air conditioner adding pristine vibes, clear with a light wind in from center field and right field. Sounds like a fantastic night to be at the ballpark, if not for all the Cardinals fans. Tuesday, we have a doubleheader, 1.20 in the afternoon. And 7.05 at night, it'll be in the upper 70s during the day. 70 at night, it'll be a little muggier for the day game, but pristine later. Both games will feature a light wind in from center field and right field. Wednesday night, a 7.05 start. Temperatures in the low 70s, maybe a pinch muggy. Pinch muggy, I think, plays uh, center field for the Cardinals now. Maybe a shower, a mix of sun and clouds, a light wind in from right field. And then finally, Thursday at 1.20, the conclusion of the series, the homestand, and my blood pressure lowering back down to normal levels. Temperatures in the low 80s, a chance for a shower. It will be muggy with wind out to left field at 10 to 15 miles per hour. And so that very detailed forecast for this elongated homestand coming up at Wrigley. As always, we thank Alexander for his weather that he provides us every week. Find him on Twitter at Alexander Hall. Find at Cubs Weather on Twitter, which Alexander runs with two other individuals, Colin and Andrew. All three of them do the hard work of keeping us informed on what weather will affect the Cubs games and how. So find all of those accounts on Twitter. You will not regret it. Yeah, really good stuff there. Should be a wild week at Wrigley Field. I think big attendance two over the next week this weekend we're, we're getting kind of those last couple of days of summer before the kids and things go back to school the college kids go back down to school as well and obviously two local fan bases with playoff ambitions in milwaukee and st louis i think we're going to see huge crowds at rigby Field. the, the local the schools week. have all started as of uh, today or tomorrow around here. And that's a, that's a melancholy day at the end of the summer. You can kind of deny it in the August 10th, August 15th or so. You get to these last uh, 10 to 12 days of summer. There's no running from it. Summer has come and gone. Summer, we hardly knew you, but we, we hopefully will see you again next year. Well, the Cardinals are playing good baseball. They've won four straight. They are the division leaders at 66 and 51. The Brewers right behind them at 63 and 54 if the season were to end today the cardinals would be playoff bound the brewers just one and a half games back in terms of that final wild card slot now wild card three in the national league so uh, two teams with uh, just about everything to play for uh, jeremy it's been annoying watching good baseball in milwaukee and good baseball in st louis but going back to a point we made at the top of the show at least the cubs can play spoiler a little bit here i just want one team I really can't stomach the thought of both the Cardinals and the Brewers in the playoffs. So uh, let's go. Let's beat them up a little bit here and mess up their playoff ambitions. Yeah, we got five games coming up against the Cardinals. I'd love to really just put a wrench in their their plans. I, they've been on a tear. Pujols is going off. All right, let's end that at Wrigley. Pujols, a shit slam against those uh, awful Colorado Rockies. Is he getting the 700? Oh, I what think, do we think so. Here? He's I got think 10 to go. Between what he hits the rest of this season and between that and the fact that he showed that there's still something left in that bat and with the universal DH now next year, if only so that they can market the hell out of the chase for 700. So I think he will absolutely get anything's guaranteed in baseball, but I think we'll have every opportunity to get there. And who among us thought when Pujols left for Anaheim that he would be back at Wrigley 10 years later in a Cardinals uniform, DHing, which I imagine he will probably get at least one start in that series. I don't know that any of us would have foreseen I, any, either part of that when he left and headed west. Crazy and crushing the ball. Some of the home runs he said over the last week, these are not cheap, like, uh, you know, Rizzo hitting a pop fly to right field at Yankee Stadium, his home on that short porch. He is crushing the ball of these ballparks, but uh, bombed today in a pinch hit grand slam situation. I got a stat for you guys. Uh, this had me cracking up today. The new Bush Stadium in St. Louis opened in 2006, Bush Stadium the third. The Colorado Rockies have played there at least one series a year with the exception of the COVID year in 2020. The Colorado Rockies have won just one series at Bush Stadium since 2006, a random four-game sweep back in 2009. The Colorado Rockies have not won a game in St. Louis since 2018. Lose today 13 to nothing. Just 
unbelievably awful baseball from the mile high team in that city of St. Louis. I mean, yeah, historically bad team going into a place, a, a team that tends to be pretty good at, at home, but that, that is a hell of a stat. Two, two franchises that I think have a lot of, I think just about everything's different about those two franchises. And yeah, there's going to be a lot of repressed uh, trauma coming out this next week at Wrigley C. Well, recently, I'm, I'm hoping I'm able to get through it without without suffering too much of a breakdown. But at that first one, he breaks off at Wrigley with that swing of his that goes deep into left center in a huge spot. There, there's going to be there's going to be some trauma that, that comes out. And I'm just preparing myself for it now. Well, Jeremy, I know you're thinking about maybe tomorrow, the Friday afternoon game, Cubs Brewers. Chance, we'll see you for Cubs Cardinals next week. Yeah, I got to look into it. We'll see. I, I don't know. Um, I haven't really looked into it that much. But, you know, I'm trying to get you at least, you know, you know, every homestand at least one. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a good opportunity there. Well, you had a unique day today. You were on the South Fox Astros today, a battle of Dusty and Tony La Russa. Like, wow, how about that? Right, Those two managers in the dugouts. You saw a ball game, though. Final score today, 21-5. to the all but two innings of Goose in the first and the fifth. A whole bunch of numbers. 25 today. Oh, it was not a great day for the old uh, Chicago White Sox on the south side. It uh, uh, 21 to 5 was it was it was pretty terrible to watch. Vince Velasquez, Lucas Giolito, Jose Ruiz, nobody could really pitch. Uh, Alex Cintron, the hitting coach for the Astros, got thrown out in the first inning. So that was interesting. But other than that, it was pretty brutal for the White Sox. Nothing quite like Josh, Josh Harrison having to uh, – go in there to pitch and a little bit of karma. I'm going to, my, my petty is, is popping up here. Josh Harrison left a pirate's win at Wrigley field in 2016, making a mockery of the sacred, sacred song that is go Cubs go. And finally, six years later, he gets his, he gets his comeuppance for that having to pitch in a blowout. So yeah, again, my, my petty does not expire. It knows no bounds. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Mr. Harrison. Yeah, it, it was just kind of looking at it. It was 10 nothing. Astros had a lead in the fifth inning. White Sox get a couple runs back. But you're still thinking, all right, the Astros have this ball game. So Houston goes out and scores 11 runs over the last four frames, four in the eighth, four in the ninth inning. So at that point, I think you're at the ball game going, mercy, just make it end. Like, just a total piling on. The game's dragging out. Nobody wants to be there at that point, especially White Sox fans. So, uh, Jeremy, one other thing from today that I do want you to mention. And it's not nothing to do with the Illini. Of course, it was like Illinois Day or something too there. But T-shirt day at the ballpark. You're sporting it right now. Can you please describe to our audience this incredible T-shirt you were given today at Sox Park? Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a shirt of like hawkisms, which is pretty cool. It was by uh, you know a local artist kind of designed it. it it's kind of you know it, it's a neat shirt. It's got it's pretty stylish. I, I think it's T-shirt uh, of all hawkisms. All kind of, you know, kind of a, you know, a little bit, you know, as a kind of comic book style, I'd say. But uh, I, I think it's a pretty neat shirt, and I'm definitely going to wear it. Well, and for our audience who can't see it, of course, when you say hawkisms, it's got text spread out there. What do we got? I see Mercy. I see he gone. We got <laughs> Dinger on there. Too bad it doesn't say or show a can of corn, does it? No, I don't see a can of corn. That, that's for I haven't really studied it too hard. But we got you, we definitely got a he gone and a mercy and a stretch. You could spill you could spill a can of corn on it and that would complete the effect. Well, I, I, well, I think I, it's I like a sharp shirt. shirt. Yeah. And you know, related to that, I was at a, a thrift store in Denver a couple of weeks ago and uh, one of the bigger ones here. And I'm going through the t-shirt section, just kind of seeing if there's anything in there. There was a White Sox giveaway shirt with a caricature of Hawk Harrelson right on the front of it. I was thinking about it. I opted against it. But uh, these Hawk shirts, man, they're hot. They're all over the place. And Jeremy picked up a brand new one here today. Let's come back to the Cubs, though. The farm, Randall. A couple of outfielders you're really excited about, including a guy who's closing in on 30 home runs this year in the minor leagues. Tell us about these two guys in your prospect corner. 
Absolutely. Prospect Corner this week features a pair of outfielders. We've gone pitching heavy the last few editions, so we'll toss it back to the position players. Darius Hill, uh, outfielder, playing for the Iowa Cubs. He's 25 years old. He's hit 324 this season. He's uh, OPSing 842. There's a little bit of power there. Nine home runs between two levels this season. Mostly a corner outfielder, a little bit of center field question of with a bat like that he's uh, not on the 40-man roster obviously a big league look and see if he factors in next and then our other name is a name that has come up on this show many times that is alexander canario of course who is a right fielder playing for double a tennessee he has 29 home runs this season between south bend and tennessee the slugging is at 887 the walk rate is up the strikeout rate is down and some advantage that he has over his fellow prospects he is already on the 40 man the giants had him on the 40 man roster when they traded him to the cubs in the chris bryant deal and that's a leg up he has on his fellow prospects because the cubs of course can call him up when rosters expand slightly uh, in September without having to worry about uh, 40 man movement. And that's the question. The minor league season will be over. Do you give Alexander Canario a look late in this season to see if he might factor in next season? He's clearly not having any issue hitting for power in the minor leagues and being on the 40 man erases one of the big quandaries in uh, calling up a guy like that. You don't have to do any shenanigans with that. So that's my, that's my thing to watch Canario already on the 40 man roster. Do the Cubs start his service clock and bring him up and give him a look late in the season. So that is our prospect corner for this week, a pair of outfielders, Darius Hill and Alexander Canario. Don't think we're going to see him in Wrigley Field. I don't think, uh, I, me personally, I think Hill's more likely to make it up onto the uh, Cubs roster this year. I think you give him a look and you put him on the 40-man. Canario, I, I don't quite think he's going to make it up this season. Well, it'll be something to watch here down the stretch. Something else to keep in mind, a little bit uh, maybe different this year as well. The uh, minor league slate goes a little bit later. So that Iowa schedule pushing all the way into the end of September could Mix some things up. This isn't like a couple of years ago when the minor league season would end around Labor Day. It's because it goes a little bit longer, there are going to still be some opportunities for these guys to get some at-bats in deeper into the fall than in years past. Uh, but lots to be excited about on the farm. Those are two names definitely looking forward to. I think what Canario has been able to do this year, the 29 home runs and counting, is just the best case scenario. And I'm not too concerned whether or not he gets to Wrigley Field this year. Very excited about his long-term prospect as a Chicago Cub. I do think this is going to be a key player. I just don't think we're going to see him up in the big leagues this year. All right, guys, anything else baseball-related that either of you want to bring up? Something worth mentioning here? Just baseball. Go side. out there. Don't make this a picnic of a homestand for the two teams visiting. Don't make this one of those great road game experiences for the the visiting fans who are going to slither and sneak and worm their way into Wrigley. Don't make this one of those series where the Brewers and Cardinals fans say, yeah, I went to Wrigley in August and they won four out of five games. It was great. Make this make the series difficult for both teams. Do not roll over. Do not lay down for them. Make it difficult for them if you're not going to win. At least make these games long. Make the at-bats long. Wear out the pitching. Do whatever you have to do to make this homestand not a picnic for the two teams visiting. Yeah, I agree with you, Randall. And uh, I, I think, you know, as I always say, I think just have fun until these last two uh, 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 or last month and a half or so. Uh, Cubs have been frisky, as I've said, the whole podcast. And keep going out there. Have fun. All these games matter. And we're going to see who's going to be around for next year. This is the time to see. One other interesting schedule quirk that I saw here, just typical St. Louis Cardinals, their final six games of the year are against the Pirates. So you talk about a team that's trying to get into the postseason. They've got six, Randall, with Pittsburgh to end the year. That could be a huge difference maker, whether the Cardinals are going for the division or a wild card. It's a nice way to a soft landing, so to speak. It wouldn't be a major league season if the Cardinals were not handed at least one major advantage <laughs> in a huge spot. MLB cannot go a season without giving them an extra draft pick or a soft landing at the end of their schedule. It, it's just unheard of. You, of course, have to protect your most important franchise. And there's not enough hand-wank motions in the world. Well, I want to end with one other thing here, non-baseball related, although a team that used to play at Wrigley Field. We are very close to the start of the National Football League season. And if I could just sort of encapsulate the level of interest I have in the Chicago Bears right now, I had no idea, guys, the Bears were playing tonight. We were getting ready to schedule this podcast. Jeremy said, oh, it's during the Bears game. Zero clue. No idea they were in Seattle. That game was tonight. That just kind of shows where I'm at in my Bears fandom here as we get ready for fall 22. Not good.
Well, hey, North, Northwestern legend Trevor Simeon balling out through another touchdown pass in that preseason game. So I don't know what's not to be excited about. Yeah, not good. Uh, it's 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 this is not a team to really look forward to. No, I was kind of optimistic going into last season. We'll get our uh, Bears predictions here one of these weeks before opening night. But uh, I'm very, very pessimistic about them. And I'm just, I think the word is disinterested. I'm frustrated with the franchise. I'm frustrated with ownership. And uh, I will be the guy watching uh, Cubs baseball as a priority in September over Bears football. Um, I am excited, though, for the start of college football. And we'll get a chance to talk about that a little bit as well. But that's all we got this week. Again, we are on at btyl podcast for randall and jeremy this is ronan we'll see you next week and randall i'll be thinking about your heart here pray over for the me. next couple of days eight games pray for me and the cardinals everybody pray for randall hopefully he's around for next week's show and uh we can talk about a nice cubs homestand with a bunch of w's